You're listening to Proven Perspectives, a podcast with John Hawkins, the founder and Leadership Edge Incorporated. I'm Laura, John's daughter, and in each episode, we will explore a topic related to life, leadership, or mentoring. Through nearly 50 years of faith in Christ, John has learned proven life and leadership perspectives that will equip listeners for a lifestyle of leadership in their marriages, families, careers, communities, and churches. Welcome, Proven Perspectives listeners. I am not Laura, and I am not John. Uh, This is Todd Melby, and I serve as the president of Leadership Edge. Uh, Today, we're changing our format for the episode a little bit. John and Laura are getting a well-deserved break from recording, and instead of rerunning an episode, we thought it would be great to have on some guests to give us a slightly different perspective on Leadership Edge. So I'm honored to welcome three LEI alumni to share their perspective on being mentored through Leadership Edge and the impact that it continues to have in their lives today. Our guests are Matt Walker, Matt Sweeney, and Andrew Chassie. I'm going to use their last names uh, since we have two Matts, and we can be we can be less formal today. That's fine. So uh, so guys, welcome. It is great to have you here, and uh, wanted each of you to take a couple moments to introduce yourselves more fully, your location, your family vocation, any other details that that seem important uh, to you and to the listener. So um, why don't we start with Walker? We'll go with you. Okay. Thanks, Todd. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt Walker. I graduated from Duke with Matt Sweeney and Andrew Chassie in 1999. Currently live in the San Francisco Bay Area where I serve as the regional director for a Christian ministry called Young Life that I actually first heard of through John. Um, I'm married to Amy, and we have two young kids, an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old. Life is good. That's excellent, and I'm sure busy. (laughs) (laughs) Busy indeed, yes. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Well, thanks, and... um... Sweeney, why don't we move on to you? Yeah, thanks, Todd. This is Matt Sweeney. Um, I live in Minnesota now. I've lived here for about three years. Um, I've worked for the same company, a big uh, multinational engineering company, uh, for about 20 years and had the chance to move around the world with with my job. So I've worked in Singapore and Switzerland and Brazil. I'm married, I've been married uh, to Megan for about 21 years, and we have three kids, 15, 14, and 12, and so we've gotten the chance to drag them around the world with us also, so that's that's been a lot of fun, uh, but we're enjoying life now in Minnesota and the, the six-month winters that exist here, uh, so we just emerged from winter uh, about a week ago. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> glad, you're, glad you're thawing out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> wonderful. Well, thank you for that. And uh, and Chassie, why don't we go to you? Yeah, thanks. Um, so Andrew Chassie, uh, I also live in Minnesota, um, and so I can tell you that Matt is sandbagging that six months. Uh, the winter's actually a lot longer. Um, <laughs> but I live here. I have for um, gosh, almost uh, twenty years now. Uh, met my wife here, Rachel, and we have four kids. Uh, or they range from seven to thirteen, um, and I work at Polaris, which is a power sports manufacturer, and uh, uh, lead strategy and partnerships for them. That's excellent. That's excellent. All right. Well, good. Well, thank you for those backgrounds and uh, 
little bit of insight into where you guys are in life right now. Um, what I wanted to do first was jump backwards all the way back to even before you guys started at Duke and um, wanted you all to give us a sense of even just what your lives looked like before getting to Duke. You know, the, the, your, your family of origin, the impact that it had on your lives leading up to Duke. How did you understand faith? coming into uh, university and then um, you know why even why did you decide to go to Duke in the first place so um, Sweeney why don't we go to you for that first sure yeah I um, I, I grew up in a great family um, you know I had two brothers um, really great parents um, that I appreciate to this day uh, for for how they how they raised us um, you know from a faith perspective it's interesting I, I grew up I would say agnostic and maybe actually practically atheist, uh, kind of on a day-to-day basis, um, and only became a Christian uh, maybe about three weeks before showing up at Duke. Um, so that gave me, you know, we'll get into some of the questions about first impressions of John and Leadership Edge uh, as, as we engaged at Duke. Uh, I think we'll get into those a little bit later. but. That gave me kind of a different perspective, uh, just being a, a brand new Christian and trying to figure out what that what that meant. And then uh, running into somebody like John was was pretty interesting. Um, so that was maybe the defining feature of my faith life uh, growing up was that I really didn't have any. And so came into to Duke and that experience with a pretty just brand new kind of eyes wide open type of perspective. That would be quite a transition going to university and being a brand new Christian. Uh, was that was that your perspective as well? Getting there? Yeah, I, it, it was. It just I, I didn't know what was normal or and, and maybe that's good and maybe that's bad. You know, I, I, I didn't have many uh, notions of what I should be doing or you know should groups I should be a part of or shouldn't be a part of or um, so yeah that was a. Uh, in addition to going off to college and you know being away from home for the first time, that was uh, another another dynamic to wrestle with. Wow, that's that's interesting. Well, good. Well, um, Chassie, why don't we go on to you? Where where were you coming from as you headed into Duke? Yeah, um, you know it's funny. It's it's sort of the other end of the spectrum. Maybe um, I I grew up uh, in New Jersey. Uh, my dad was in vocational ministry. Um, I was a Christian my whole life. Uh, you know, great parents, great upbringing. But what I'd say is kind of as, as I got to school and, you know, I was a good kid, followed the rules, that kind of stuff. Um, but really hadn't wrestled with, you know, whether my faith was my own or not. And I think that's probably a a pretty typical story for a lot of kids as they kind of get off on their own, they've got to make that decision. And, um, that was a big part of, I think my story with leadership edge was sort of, how you integrate life and faith, um, and you get a, a pretty good testing ground for that um, at, in college. Um, but also, I think for me, you know, growing up in a family where ministry was sort of our—that's uh, that's what my dad did. Yeah, I had no exposure to the business world and to be launched out into that that world and not, you know, almost feel like the black sheep of, uh, you know, you're you're a second class citizen. I spent a lot of time with John actually talking through some of those things. Um, and the role that Christians have in the marketplace and how important that is. So it was a big part of my story. That's great. And that, yeah, that is interesting how different it is from Sweeney's coming into school. Mm. 
Well, so then Walker, where were you? Were you, were you, you weren't hot, you weren't cold, you were just, just right. Where, where were you coming in? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I grew up here in the San Francisco Bay area and I was raised by a couple of grown up hippies, actually really <laughs> loving parents. Um, pretty easy going perspective on life. Um, Faith did not play a very big part in my upbringing. My parents were not church-going folks, um, although their parents were. So Hmm. I did have some grandparents praying for me along the way. And sure enough, in high school, a friend invited me to youth group, and I started attending fairly regularly for the last couple years of high school. So I came into Duke with the Christian faith being new to me, Um, And I would say I saw it as um, kind of like an accessory that I could attach on to my life that I saw people attaching to life if it worked for them. Mm -hmm. So I would say a warm but compartmentalized take on the Christian faith. Um, And I just landed at Duke because I was eager to see another part of the country to meet a new group of peers and um and it was the best school i got into and worth taking a look at and once i got there i just really liked it <laughs> that's great well you could do a lot worse than duke um <laughs> that's great so well so continuing on with you um when you got to duke what were you what were you focused on what were you get involved in and then and how did your 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 pursuit of those things lead you on to leadership edge Yeah, gosh, when I landed at Duke, I just saw life and my own self as a pretty blank canvas. And I was eager to try on a bunch of things and see what worked. Um, I did stumble into a barbecue happening in front of my freshman dorm, which is also where Sweeney lived freshman year, um, hosted by Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And they were just giving out free cheeseburgers and uh, (laughs) friendly faces to talk to. So uh, I stumbled into that community and really that changed the course of my whole life. A few friends that I met that day are still friends today. Um, Went on to join um, a fraternity that a few of those FCA older guys were in. And in joining that fraternity, one of them required me to take a class that John Hawkins and Leadership Edge were leading. And so I did it as what they call the pledge task. (laughs) And that was where I first met John. And um, I didn't know what to make of John at first. I mean, he's I know he's in his mid-60s now. He also seemed that age then. (laughs) 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 um, As far as I knew, I mean, you know, I was 18 years old. And I think John even jokes that he's always been an old soul. He was sort of born to be an older guy. Definitely. So um, I said earlier... um, that I had a warm impression of Christianity. And and I think John also gave me a really warm and friendly impression. What changed was that he pursued a relationship with me in a way that I don't think maybe there's one adult who had previously. And that really changed the course of our relationship and the course of my life. 
That's excellent. And so, so John, or as Leadership Edge, had been working closely with FCA, and uh, and just trying to make an impact for the student athletes there. Well, he had a little bit, but really, Leadership Edge was starting that same year. We all, uh, me mm-hmm. and Chassie and Sweeney, hit campus in the fall of '95. And I think John got there just a few months before us, maybe a year, but Leadership Edge was just getting started. And so mm-hmm. um, John had spoken, I think, at a few FCA meetings and had launched a couple different kind of just one evening a week kind of classes. And I think some of the FCA old upperclassmen were involved in those. And so they just dragged us along to them. <laughs> you got you got voluntold. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But Walker, that's uh, Todd. If I I can follow yeah, up please. on that, just because I I think Matt and I got involved with Leadership Edge, kind of the same way. I mean, I you know, I, my introduction to Duke. I you know, being a new Christian, I, I think I got involved in like six different Christian groups just because I didn't quite know what to do or what what made the most sense and. Matt and I started getting involved with with FCA and ended up in uh, you know John's leadership edge class as a as a, a fraternity task as, as Matt said and um, it was uh, it, it was interesting I, I remember thinking it was pretty maybe strange like not in a bad way but in in, in an okay way but I, I I remember I couldn't quite figure out like who John was or what he was doing or the relationship between John and Leadership Edge, because he would talk about Leadership Edge as this separate thing than him. And then we would kind of be like, but you'd learn a little bit about it. And it's like, isn't it just you, actually? Like, <laughs> he'd say we a lot. He'd use this we language. Yeah. It was very was like, when you, Yeah. When you say we, isn't that maybe like you and Janet? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of those classes were, you know, that as Matt said, it was Leadership Edge was new at Duke. And... Um, you know, there were like a few people in kind of a random classroom somewhere on campus. And, um, you know, just as you look back on it, it's like, how in the world did that work? Or like, how did John like think it was going to work? It just it seems so, um, so strange. And as you look back on it, you see it's just this incredible example of John trusting God that like mm-hmm. he could show up on a campus where he doesn't know anybody and just start you know, listening to the Holy Spirit and start meeting with people. And, and all of a sudden he's got this, not all of a sudden, over over many, many years, he's got this incredible influence. It's it's pretty remarkable. It is. It is. Yeah. So, Chassie, what about you? How did, how did, I guess, what were you pursuing first when you were getting started at Duke and how did Leadership Edge find its way into that? Yeah, so I, I didn't really get involved until my sophomore year. And um, it was mostly, uh, I, I'd read somewhere... Uh, that if you want to appear more attractive to the opposite sex, you should, you know, find some guys that look sort of like you, but slightly worse. <laughs> so, um, so I was hanging out with Walker um, <laughs> no, um, we had, we had become friends first and I, I saw, you know, sort of heard some of the stories, I think probably from that pledge task. Um, there are other pledge task stories we won't share, but. Um, uh, it, it was just intriguing to me. And, um, one of the things particularly in the early days of leadership edge and, and even the name leadership edge, um, you know, John, uh, prioritized leadership development as sort of a service. And that was like a gateway to get 
um, students interested were, and the, the ultimate goal always was the, the mentoring relationships and um, to, to be a ministry and to affect, you know, students' lives in that ways. But in, in many ways, the, the classes were, all, were sort of available as a secular leadership development um, and, and that was, that was the gateway in for me. I was, I was interested in that. I, um, I had never really seen myself as a leader. Um, and I would say where, uh, the greatest kind of tangible impact from those early years. And, and again, you know, I think about college is such a great laboratory to practice things like this, but, um, the early, form of the personal vision statement, you know, stepping forward as God man, God's man in your spheres of influence. And um, John really encouraged us, I think all of us, to see the spheres of influence we had on campus and to step forward as mm-hmm. leaders in those spheres and, and to influence those around us. And um, that kind of principle, you know, again, I got to practice it with coaching in that environment. And still to this day, you, you know, it's, it's a challenge to me in my life and how I step forward and approach, um, you know, the different opportunities I have in life to be a leader, um, named or not, uh, and how I'm taking advantage mm-hmm. of that. That's good. And so, so it sounds like your early interactions for all three of you were in a classroom setting, but moved into individual one-on-one opportunities as well. Is that right, Jesse? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think John was pretty strategic always with the, with the classes to, to meet with everyone at least once. Um, and I, I knew, uh, I think by the time we had met, he was already had, had met several times with Sweeney and Walker. So I, I kind of let him know, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm already a Christian. I'm good. Uh, at our, at our first (laughs) kind of coffee. And he's like, Hey, that's great. You know? Um, but just the way he does is he, he had, you know, some really thoughtful questions for me. And, um, I think we ended up later that semester, uh, kind of getting into something a little more formal around mentoring. That's good. All right. So thoughtful questions and some intentionality toward, uh, just engaging with you guys. Sweeney and Walker, was there anything else that stood out to you, uh, from that, those early interactions? Well, he uh, one attraction was he bought us lunch or coffee. <laughs> and, you know, when you're a college student, that that's a love. That's a major love language. Yeah. Um, but I, but I which, which also, mm, sorry, okay. Walker, which also added to my confusion as to exactly <laughs> how Leadership Edge actually worked. <laughs> so I was like, I have, I have, I'm going to Duke, but I have no money. And you didn't have any money either. And I was like, I don't know, John's spending money on us. And it's not clear like what the business model is here. But I think that got sorted out eventually. (laughs) Yeah, John pursued us for, we each had our own kind of one-on-one times with him. I would say for all three of us, most weeks during our time at Duke. Mm-hmm. I remember senior year, we pivoted a little bit, and the same way John talks about the broader arc of our lives as leaders and followers of Jesus, he kind of baked into the four years of college and said he was discouraged by seeing how many students just wasted their senior years mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. all the things that are actually um important to do, um, searching for a job, um, figuring out where to live afterwards, 
um, investing in your own friendships before you all go separate directions. But he said, this needs to be a year of real influence with those who may be willing to follow you because it was unclear if anyone else would. <laughs> so uh, he told me senior year, Matt, I'm going to leave Friday lunch open on my calendar every week, but you need to call me on Thursday, and your ticket to me buying you lunch is you telling me where were you pouring out your life this week? And we winnowed that down to being a particular freshman dorm where I had gotten to know some of the freshmen. And eventually we started a Bible study there and I had to go. I had to go out into the kind of mission field every week to earn mm. the right to have lunch with John. Oh, and wow. that that has stuck with me and it had it's kind of what I do for a living now, actually, go out into the mission field. Mm, that's incredible. But it is, it is interesting that, Walker, hearing you talk about that, one of the things that occurs to me is that, you know, as Chassis talks and as you talk and as I think about my experiences, um, like, John didn't have a one-size-fits-all template. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember all, all of us, we, we'd kind of compare notes a little bit, um, in terms of okay, you know, what was your time like with John, and what you know, what did you talk about, and and it was actually pretty different, just in terms of the interactions, and mm. I, I think one of the things that stuck with me is the, um, you know, the intentionality that John had about meeting with each one of us, and him knowing and sensing that each one of us needed something pretty different, mm -hmm. and what Walker needed was different than what I needed, and it was different from what Chassis needed. And it wasn't like, a, hey, let's let's run you through this process because I got this great template or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was very intentional and kind of, hey, what does this person right in front of me need from me today? Which is mm -hmm. pretty remarkable. Well, and it makes me think of the, the Leadership Edge motto is what God has called you to become matters to me. How may I help? Mm -hmm. And so it's not that one size fits all approach, right? It's not just here's the program, do these steps and... This is the outcome, but it's it's investing in getting to know, asking good questions, like you guys said, uh, yeah. being intentional and in, in learning what what is God calling this person to do? I, Walker, I think that's so neat that he was he's basically calling you to be a missionary on campus, and now you're that's your vocation, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's what you do. That's what an incredible uh, an incredible experience. Yeah. So as you guys are getting ready to graduate and moving on into the into the real world, what what you know? What are you taking with you from that experience? How is that guiding you early on in your in your careers and in, in your you know post college lives? And then, and, and even what does that look like going into the long term? Chas, you can start with you. What does that look like? Yeah, I think. Well, there's one. You know, there's this a kind of moment I think back on a lot, um, and it was actually an internship, so it wasn't quite uh, after graduation. My after my junior year, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, honestly, it, it's hard to even pinpoint the specifics, but I called John in just a panic of like, I don't know what to do. This is completely new to me. You know, I was working. It turns out in hindsight, I think I had a, a not a mean boss, but just an absent boss. So there wasn't great direction. And, and so I was just floundering. And a lot of what John was able to do in, in that in that moment and over over sort of the course of a couple really quick conversations, honestly, was kind of point me back to, hey, you've been trying all sorts of stuff. And your your job is to, you know, again, probably not in exactly these words, but to step forward as God's man. 
Um, he's got you there for a reason. He has given you what you need to succeed. Um, here's how you've done that in other new situations, you know. And so um, it really kind of prepared me or gave me sort of a confidence that, um, that you know, God's going to put me in, you know, and actually throughout my career I've probably had uh, – uh, seven or eight jobs where I was the first one to ever do it. I've lived in ambiguity for my career. Um, and, <laughs> and in that moment, you know, that, that mentoring and that reminder, it wasn't that, um, that I wasn't capable. It's that I needed to be, you know, sort of that help to be pointed in the right direction and, and to remind who, you know, who's in charge of it all, um, was not absent. And so uh, there are just some, I think some powerful moments that really helped launch, into a career where you're not throwing everything out. You've got, you've got a base and you've, you're, you're kind of ready to take it. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Sweeney, how about you? Yeah. I, it's interesting thinking about the first years out of Duke versus, you know, long-term 20 years later, I actually found the first years out of Duke to be the hardest in terms of, you know, you, you get this kind of leadership experience and training and, um, you know, some mindset about what being a leader means. And then, you know, you fire off into the workplace and you're low man on the totem pole and nobody really wants, <laughs> nobody really wants your leadership, quote unquote. And, you know, I, I got married basically right out of college and, you know, your thoughts on what it might mean to lead in a marriage are not always shared by all people in the relationship. <laughs> um, so, you know, actually taking those lessons and, and, and you know, the first couple years out, it's like, man, I, I don't know how this fits. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm the lowest person at work. And so how am I supposed to lead anything? And um, so, you know, wrestling with all that um, was, you know, difficult. Um, you know, now much later, um, you know, of course, you can look back and see where that's all valuable. Um, it does, you know, John always had a very, uh, you know, I think one of the lessons uh, from meeting with him and from Leadership Edge is the long-term impact of your presence and your involvement and your engagement and all these different spheres of influence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I think Chassie talked about it and I, I, I think about that just in terms of, you know, um, thinking about over a long period of time it being, you know, kind of a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, what are you pouring your life out for and, and, and to, and what are you building? Um, and you don't build anything in a year or two years, you build things in, in decades, really. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's really stuck with me is that idea of legacy. And, you know, it, we, we all still have a lot of life left uh, and, and maybe the best years in front of us in terms of thinking about, okay, what, what's the, what's the legacy? What, you know, why, why does it matter that I'm involved in uh, my church or my work or my family? Um, and, and I think John's modeled that really well in terms of a long-term commitment to some very core values that uh, has led to something pretty remarkable. Yeah, That's great. he's he's That's really great. ruined the idea of a uh, early comfortable retirement. <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel called no, to that unfortunately. anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Walker, what about what about you? Is just it, those those years after, and then and then even as you've as you've gone forward, um, what's it look like for you to model model out leadership and mentorship the way that you saw John model that out? 
Well, I, I have a memory in my first year or two out of Duke, which I, I agree was a tough reality check, <clears throat> excuse me, where I called John and just said, John, I'm just realizing, and this was before I was in vocational ministry. I mm-hmm. had a real job in this moment. And <laughs> I, um, I just said, John, I'm just realizing there are real trade-offs in life that I didn't really have to face in college. Like, I can't be everything at work and be everything at home in my marriage and be everything at my church that i need to i need to actually prioritize these things myself by listening to the lord and seeing what is best and um he helped me process that and he said matt he basically said more kindly than this whatever made you think you could have it all (laughs) and um which is a really, really important question for a 22 or 23-year-old to face, and actually even a 45-year-old, which I am now, to face. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was one thing that was <clears throat> really helpful to think through. Another thing John told me senior year was um, that it, the way he had pursued a relationship with me, I would probably never experience again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that, that no one's going to be chasing after me for my own benefit, that I will need to seek out my own mentors and meaningful friendships moving forward. And so that has stuck with me also. And I just have had a great series of mentors throughout life. And more often it's, um, it's a handful of people that each help me think through different parts of my life or and are in different spheres of mine but i have just really benefited by really lifelong mentorship from a handful of people i'm so grateful for it oh that's so good that's so good i lo- and i love that last part the lifelong mentorship it's it's not you're not done being friends or interacting with the person just because the formal part has ended you you're you're a, you have a relationship for the rest of your life with that person that's good mm-hmm yeah. Um, well, Sweeney, Jesse, any any final thoughts on how you model out leadership or mentorship based on what you've taken away? Yeah, the Todd, the the thought I had that I, has stuck with me over many years, and this is kind of a cliche that actions matter more than words, um, but that that's that's really stuck with me from time talking with John and 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 Leadership Edge is. Um, you know, the importance of actually living out the, the values that you talk about, that people, you know, when you're in, in my marriage, at, at church, at work, uh, people pay a lot of attention to what you actually do and uh, a lot less of what you actually say. I, I was remembering a, a story with John. I think I was a senior at Duke and I'd gotten into a <laughs> series of car accidents and I think three and kind of a close proximity to each other. Oh my goodness. Which which was not good. And I was pretty shaken by it. And I was like, I, I can't keep driving. Like I don't have money to pay for this. And I just, every t- you know, it's, it's not going great. And I remember John, I always think about John talking about encouragement is putting courage into somebody. And yes. he, he said, um, Matt, we're gonna drive to lunch and I want you to drive because you need to you need to get over this like you know and it wasn't in like a coercive way it was like in a he knew what i needed which was some trust and some courage to to take a next step 
Um, so just, you know, a very kind of practical thing there, but you know, that, that idea of encouragement, putting courage in and, and John actually not just saying that, but then doing something, yeah. uh, that's, that's stuck with me for a long time. Yeah. That's amazing. 20 years later, it did that, that example sticking that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Did and I didn't crash his car. So <laughs> what about when you were learning to ride a bike freshman year at Duke Sweeney? Did he hop on the back? <laughs> oh, Walker. <laughs> I did crash my bike uh, repeatedly freshman year. Oh, no. That is true also. <laughs> crashing a bike's a lot less costly than crashing a car. Than crashing a car, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, Chassie, if any Yeah, no, it really thoughts? aligned with what Sweeney just said, but I, it's hard to go probably through this podcast and that mention the idea of life on life influence and, and the way John approached mentorship and um, there are many times, I think, for each of us, he invited us into his home. Um, we got to see how he operated as a part of learning how to how to operate as an older Christian man and um, and lead a family. And um, that's something, you know, obviously, I think there, there are spheres at work. I, that's there are going to be boundaries around some of that. But um, it, it's been a huge influence in how I try to lead others and how I try to um have positive influence on others. And it's, um, it's amazing to see how that it really does change. Like, like Sweeney said, that sort of engagement involvement, um, to not just speak the words, but to, to show the actions, how powerful that can be. So. Mm-hmm. And Todd, this is a good, this is a good example of why we need video on the podcast, because it's, <laughs> it's pretty hard for any of us to hear life on life without also picturing John, Rubbing his hands Rubbing together his hands in together. a circular yes, motion. Exactly. <laughs> totally. totally. Uh, so true. Yep. <laughs> There's hand motions that go along with mentoring sometimes. Of course. But, uh, oh, this is so good. Guys, thank you so much for just sharing uh, so much of your own stories and, and how um, Leadership Edge was able to be uh, impactful in that. How um, the example of a mentor having lifelong impact on on each of you is wonderful. And then to hear about you all taking those same examples forward into the spheres of influence that you're a part of. Um, I I love the model. I love the intentionality. Uh, I also love hearing about how the the pieces of the life vision statement were coming together, uh, you know, that early on in in the the course of Leadership Edge's existence and um, seeing how it's such a a key part of who we are today as an organization. So, um, but yeah, thanks, uh, Matt, Matt and Andrew, uh, for sharing all of that. It's, uh, we appreciate you coming on and helping out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks thanks for having us. Thanks, Todd. Absolutely. So, uh, listeners, we hope that this change in our regular format has been a pleasant surprise and offered a little different perspective on leadership edge. It's easy to get caught up in the how to's of leadership development and mentoring and forget about, how people are being impacted and how that can go on for for decades afterward. The Lord's called us all to move, to love our mentee by being present, offering anything the Lord has given us to steward and, and pray that the Lord will bring about the growth of this young leader for years to come. And we've heard some good examples of that. Um, I'm thankful for these three men. Uh, I'm thankful for their testimony that they each offer and, and the fruitfulness of, of living out a vision for all of life for the rest of their lives. So, if you want to find out more about Leadership Edge or to sign up for mentor training, you can visit www.lead-edge.com. 
And if you're interested in discussing how Leadership Edge can be of service to your church or other like-hearted organization, please email us at lei at lead-edge.com. And we look forward to having you back for the next episode. Bye. Listeners, if you would like to find out more about John's thoughts on life, leadership, and mentoring, please go to the Leadership Edge website at www.lead-edge.com. Or if you have questions or ideas of topics for future podcasts, please reach out to us at lei at lead-edge.com. We look forward to hearing from you.